the rivalry is back on. 1% better every day and 1-0. The set is the quarterback lined up behind center, takes a snap, going for a home run deep downfield, looking for T.Y. Hilton. Hilton makes the catch. He's at a 10, 5, stumbles in the end zone, touchdown. Both coming with pressure off the edge. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. Welcome back to the Cody Foger Podcast. On with me, special guest and my friend, Kevin Bowen from The Fan. Kevin, how you doing? Doing good, Cody. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Uh, well, Kevin, I thought for this episode, we could look at the Colts 53-man roster. Uh, so recording this on Sunday afternoon, and the Colts yesterday made their cut to 53. Well, it may not be the final roster come week one, because there still is right now. They're in the midst of making some waiver claims and they've already made a couple and we're recording this at two o'clock on Sunday. So uh, this podcast could be a little bit irrelevant um, in terms of if they claim a few more people, which they might. Uh, But I thought as it stands right now, we could look at the roster a little bit and a little roster breakdown and who you think maybe is just on there right now, who could be waived and we can just look at each position a little bit. Um, And so we can start first with the quarterback. And right now the Colts only have one quarterback on the active roster and that's Jacoby Brissett. Um, Kevin, what do you think they're going to do to try to fill that number two number two quarterback spot? Because they did bring back Philip Walker in the practice squad. So, what do you think the Colts' mindset is right now as far as the quarterback position is concerned? Yeah, I mean, I would assume that some veteran will be in the works here very soon. Um, you know, as I'm driving to the complex right now, the Colts are going to have practice on Sunday afternoon, and you would think that you would have liked to have a quarterback in your building. Um, for as many practices as possible leading into, you know, what you're going to encounter a week from today out in L.A. against the Chargers, just from a game plan, playbook standpoint, whatever cram session you can get. So I'm a little surprised they haven't made a quarterback move as of now. Um, I think it'd be pretty negligent to throw Philip Walker out there as your backup week one. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't shock me, I guess, that initially they only had one quarterback on the 53-man roster. You know, I, I think you certainly want to, you know, weigh all your options, look to see who is waived, knowing full well that you have a couple of veteran options that you looked at last week as well. So um, I, I'm of the firm belief that you just need to find somebody for the first two weeks of the season. And I think Chad Kelly can be your backup uh, moving forward. Yeah, and, and I know some people were con- confused because Chad Kelly wasn't on the active roster cuts per se, but he is suspended for two games, which means that I don't think it counts against the roster at all. So um, he'll be back after week two. Uh, so moving on to the running back position, I don't think this is much of a, a surprise here. The Colts keeping four, keeping, of course, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, um, and the two guys that they kept who I wasn't sure um, who they keep. I, I was more probably – a little bit surprised that they kept Jordan Wilkins considering how much he's been injured. Um, and you really haven't seen him much in the preseason at all, um, but they kept four with Wilkins and then Jonathan Williams. Uh, Kevin, do you see any moves in the running back position or do you think that's pretty well settled as of right now? Yeah. You know, I, I thought those would be the four. I thought injuries was the biggest question with, you know, Williams and Wilkins, you, you touched on Wilkins missing over a month. Now it sounds like, 
if he doesn't play week one, uh, week two is, is somewhat of an option for him to get back on the field. And you know, clearly the Colts like these four guys. I think it's, it's probably very rare that you see you know, four running backs end the season on the 53-man roster, and it's the same four guys the very next year, um, especially when you hear Frank Wright talk so much about wanting to improve the run game in 2019. But I think that just goes to show you that's much more of a philosophical approach to it than necessarily a personnel approach to it. Um, so I thought maybe running back, you would look at a back end of the guy, you know, if Jonathan Williams or Jordan Wilkins, you don't necessarily like, but you know, Chris Bauer has always been high on Williams and he spent a fifth round pick on Jordan Wilkins and, you know, Jordan Wilkins still averaged over five yards per carry last season. So um, I, I'm not too surprised with, with how that running back group played out. Yeah. And I guess uh, my question is, do you think Charkandrick West, the guy that they signed um, and played in the last preseason game, do you think he's kind of a guy that say, you know, Wilkins goes down for a good amount of time. Is that a guy that they consider bringing in? Um, and do you th- and why do you think the reason was they brought him in only to cut him, you know, a week or so later? Well, I mean, to be frank, you, you just needed a body. You know, it, it's kind mm-hmm. of, uh, it, it's one of the awkward situations of week four of the preseason. You're simply signing guys to be tackling dummies, for lack of a better term. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I obviously West has history in the league, history with Chris Ballard, so um, you know, he might be the next guy up at the running back spot. Um, but again, I, I still think the staff like Jonathan Williams, like Jordan Wilkins, and there is a reason Sean Kendrick West was on the open market, you know, two weeks before the start of the regular season when everyone's roster was at 90. So, uh, I, yeah, I think more so is just, let's just get us a body through the end of the preseason. And, you know, yes, if an injury does occur, maybe you do bring him back. But for now, he's the, uh, he's the odd man out. Mm, absolutely. And moving on to a position, I think uh, that it's not really a surprise, but it's pro- it's the definitely the position on offense that was kept the most as far as the skill positions go. And that's wide receiver. Um, obviously, you got your your guys in T.Y. Hilton, Devin Fungis and Paris Campbell, who we knew were probably going to be a lock for the roster. And then Chester Rogers, who I think as the season went preseason went on, we kind of realized how much the Colts love Chester Rogers. So you know, with his, what he can do on special teams for you and stuff. He's, he's the number four right now. And then you got a couple guys um, and Deion Kane, who really I thought had a terrific preseason. I, I'll get your opinion on him in a second. And then you got uh, Zach Pascal, who is a guy who, uh, I mean, I don't think we saw a ton in the preseason, uh, but I know he's very valuable on special teams for the Colts and he showed some flashes for them last year. Uh, Kevin, what are your takes on the wide receiver position and, and also Christian Hogan being waived? Yeah, I feel bad for Christian Hogan. I thought he had a tremendous month of August in camp and just so consistent with a, with a big body. Um, now, it doesn't really help you out in special teams in the return game. I know the Colts had put him back there a little bit in practice settings, but we never really saw that in game. So I think ultimately that's why he's not on this roster, but you know, I, I thought there was a chance he'd get claimed to, but as of now, it doesn't look like that's going to be happening. Um, but once probably August, you know, 20th rolled around, I felt like you were going to keep six wide out. You know, it, it's a good situation for the Colts in that they aren't, they don't have too many injuries to deal with, with this three man roster. So they could keep six wide outs. And I think you need a little bit of insurance for Paris Campbell. Seven just, you know, Funches has missed the past few days of practice with a back injury and, and Campbell, you know, of course missed a month, although he looked very good at coming back on Thursday night and that preseason finale. But they just trust Pascal. They trust him on offense. They trust him on special teams as well. You know, maybe when Paris Campbell gets the kick return aspect of the game down, 
maybe that pushes Pascal's need on this 53 man roster a little bit to the back end. Uh, but for now, uh, you can handle six wideouts. And like I said, just a little bit of injury insurance as well for uh, Funches and, and, and Campbell. Yeah. And Kevin, I want to get your opinion on just the wide receiver position in general is absolutely so loaded. It's stacked right now with talent and with guys who have played pretty well in the preseason. You just touched on Paris Campbell. Obviously, Deion Kane has had a very strong preseason as well. Uh, and then obviously and you throw in Devin Funches, who you talked about, and then T.Y. Hilton, who just, you know, you don't have to worry about T.Y. Hilton. What can the, what are your expectations for this wide receiver group in 2019? Well, they are high, and I, I think they need to be high for this team to, you know, try and get into the playoffs. You know, guys like Deion Kane and Paris Campbell both showed in the preseason an ability to do things with the ball in their hands that we haven't seen enough of from Colts wideouts, you know, especially in kind of in that Andrew Luck era. So, you know, had a couple hookups in the preseason, but mostly there was inconsistency when those two we're trying to get on the same page during camp. Um, so I, I think that's a big key, certainly, with the type of role that you expect for Devin Funches and want to give him here in his uh, you know, first season with the Colts as well. But, yeah, I mean, I'm very high on that tight end or on that wideout group. But, you know, I, I think Kane and Campbell can push the ceiling for this offense and this football team much higher than it currently is at. And I think that's huge for a guy like Jacoby Brissett when you're trying to take some of the pressure off of him, you know, maybe forcing balls down the field or, you know, him being the one having to make pass catchers more so than the pass catchers, you know, aiding their quarterbacks in what they can do once the ball is in their hands. Yeah, and speaking of guys with high ceilings and position groups with high ceilings, this is a position group, Kevin, that I know you and I had talked about in great detail in the offseason because there's been like this debate, do you keep four running backs, do you keep four tight ends? And, well, the Colts decided we're going to do both. Um, And so the Colts keep four tight ends. Um, I think maybe minor surprise, although I think as the more we've t- you, uh, you talked to Frank Reich and heard his praise for Hale Hinches, um, the Colts tight end group is absolutely loaded with talent. And I think it's interesting, Kevin, and this is something that I have noticed, is like the Colts have kind of multiple tight ends who do different things. And so, you know, where you have the Jack Doyle, Hale Hinches type player who's a reliable, not overly athletic, but reliable player who's a very good blocker. And then you got the physical freaks in Eric Ebron and, and Mo Ali Cox, which I know Mo Ali Cox is a good run blocker as well. But it's interesting that the Colts have kind of two sets of guys who um, both have high ceilings, but they have the rel- where they have the reliable guys, and then they also have just the guys with tremendous ceilings, tremendous, tremendous physical attributes. Uh, what's your take on this tight end group? You know, I think it's something where as the preseason wore along, I was always been a big Ross Travis guy. And, you know, I, I kind of looked at it from a Colts standpoint of, all right, if they're going to emphasize the run game, Hale Hentges is that, you know, possible Ryan Hewitt, you know, maybe with a little bit more consistency in their, in the pass catching game, he's going to be that fourth guy. And you know, I thought Travis had a couple moments in camp in the preseason, but I just needed to see a few more things from him to put himself on the 53-man roster. And remember, this guy is, you know, what, less than 370 days removed from tearing his ACL. So it's still coming back in that process. But it's a group that you like. It's a group that you definitely look at and and think that you have talent right here in the present and then some intriguing guys for the future as well. And similar to the wideout bunch, you know, it's a group that I think you have to have to look at as saying, carry a little bit more of a burden 
for us with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. We know Jack Doyle had a huge season in 2017 when Jacoby Brissett was under center. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you obviously knew that Doyle, Ebron, and Mo Alley-Cox were all going to make this team. And then with Frank Reich wanting to emphasize the run game so much, I think that's what pushed Bell Hinches on this team over, uh, over Ross Travis. Yeah, and the last position group I want to look at at offense, Kevin, is a position group that I think is pretty well settled as far as the starters. I think the starters are pretty entrenched. Um, but beyond that, uh, I think it's in flux right now. There's a lot of unknowns, and the Colts have done a lot recently with their backup offensive line um, in terms of, you know, they, they cut Evan Bain, or they traded Evan Bain, I should say, um, and they cut, you know, Antonio Garcia, and they, they cut, I believe they cut somebody else as well. Um, so the offensive line right now, as it stands, has eight people on the team. Uh, but you have to think that the Colts will make a waiver claim for a backup offensive line, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, that, that was something that I felt like was a number and eight that I like personally, uh, because I think it gives you flexibility to do things elsewhere on your 53 man roster. But that was kind of more my thinking than less Chris Ballard's thinking, you know, I felt like he always wants nine or 10 offensive linemen, but you know, when you're able to swap Evan Bame and, and improve your 2020 draft stock, that's a win in my book. Um, and I fully expect a couple offensive linemen to be on the practice squad you know, kind of use a little bit of a bump there because you only dress seven on game day. So I never thought there was a need really to have nine or 10 on your 53 man roster. Now, if you have talent and you have depth and you want to protect those guys a little bit more then I think that makes sense. But I thought that group, I thought the reserve offensive line group was very underwhelming in the preseason. So I am a little bit surprised we didn't see a waiver claim there, but at the same time, again, I think they do feel somewhat good about their top eight. You know, I'd argue a little bit about Raven Clark, or even Josh Andrews, but finding off at the line depth is difficult in this league. And it's another reason why I was a proponent of probably taking an offensive tackle, especially a little bit higher than where they ended up taking Jackson Barton, who they waived yesterday as a seventh round draft pick out of Utah. So that's a group that, again, I expect practice squad attention. And I think it'll probably be a position group that we monitor a lot for a roster addition similar to like Evan Bain last year, Josh Andrews last year, where you signed guys you know, during the season and they ended up playing somewhat significant roles for you at different points in the season. And flipping over to the other side of the ball, to the trenches on the other side of the ball, the Colts defensive line, they kept a lot of players. They kept 10 players as it stands right now. Uh, Danico Autry, Ben Banigou, Justin Houston, Marcus Hunt, uh, Tyquan Lewis, Al-Kadou Muhammad, Jabal Sheard, Grover Stewart, Kamoko Turi, and Jihad Ward. So not really a surprise there. I would say probably, Kevin, the, the biggest surprise for me was the Colts keeping Jihad Ward just because, you know, with roster crunching and stuff, it's hard to keep 10 defensive linemen. What are your takes on these guys? And were you surprised at all if the Colts kept so many players on the defensive line? Yeah, I was always thinking they'd keep at least nine. Ward was a tough one for me. And I think what I ended up doing is I ended up having Jake Elgin camp on the O-line and taking Jihad Ward off. So that was kind of my difference. I felt like Chris Ballard would go with nine offensive linemen and nine defensive linemen, but clearly it shows what they think of Ward. And I also think it's somewhat positive news on Jabal Sheard, not immediately going on injured reserve. Um, you still have a lot of depth there. I think it's a nice balance of kind of veteran depth and the frontline guys and then some intriguing, a lot of intriguing second-round talent, ironically enough, and Ward and Tyquan Lewis and Kamoko Turi and Ben Banigou as well. So that was a group that for me, it was pretty easy. 
in the sense of I knew it was either going to be nine or 10. It was just, did you have the room to keep Ward? And clearly they feel like they do. And I think the eight offensive linemen is a big reason why they were able to keep an extra guy on the other side of their line. Yeah. And and the, and the linebackers for the Colts, they kept six linebackers. And I think for me, I wasn't too surprised that they kept six linebackers. The only guy that had questions on was Zaire Franklin, because I think last year kind of showed and, you know, maybe he's improved, who knows. Uh, But last year, I think he kind of showed why he was a seventh round pick. Um, He had his rookie moments last year. Uh, What are your thoughts on the Colts linebackers and then them keeping six guys on the roster? Yeah, Cody, this is always the easiest position group for me to cut down. Um, I felt like throughout the offseason, I've always had six making it and these six making it. They're all Chris Bauer draft picks. You knew full well you're going to keep probably five of those guys. Franklin was probably the biggest question mark, but he helps out on special teams, which I don't think can be lost. You need a, a physical presence on special teams as well. You don't need a bunch of DBs and wideouts just running down every play. You need a little bit of bulk. Um, to handle kind of your your punt stuff and even your your kick return stuff as well. Um, so that's why I think Zaire Franklin fits in as kind of a core special teamer. And when Matthew Adams was out, I think for that Browns game, he did start at the same linebacker position. So I, I still think the Colts have some belief in him as a linebacker, but mainly for special teams. So, yeah, again, this was the easiest position group for me to cut down. Yeah, and moving over to the cornerbacks, this, for me, Kevin, was a position group that I was the most intrigued by in the offseason. Uh, there's a lot of talent there, a lot of players who I think were established in this league, um, but the Colts decided to, to cut it down to six, and the guys that kept were the starters from last year and Desir and Moore uh, and Quincy Wilson as well. Obviously, they're going to keep Rock Sin, who they drafted, um, but the, the final two guys, I think that was the, the biggest two that were in question for me, especially before the Colts traded Nate Hairston to the Jets last week. I, I guess, yeah, I guess it technically it's still last week. Uh, so what are your takes on, on this cornerback group and, and them keeping a guy like Marvell Tell and, uh, Chris Milton? Yeah, it was also, I think, you Cody, a, a position group. I could have gone down several paths. I probably was going to keep Nate Hairston. But if you're mm-hmm. going to tell me you can get a six-round pick for him, that's a win in my book because Quincy right. Wilson can give you some slot corner versatility as a backup to Kenny Moore there. Um, you know, I thought Chris Milton was always going to make this team uh, because he is someone that uh, gives you a little bit of uh, – I'm just getting to the complex right now. I'm just going to tell him that I'm here. And then I, hey, hey, here for media. Thank you. Cool, thanks. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Um, so yeah, cornerback uh, that just shows you that this is real life here on the, uh, on the Cody Felger podcast. Um, <laughs> Marvell tell, you know, when he played the whole game on Thursday night, I was kind of like, Oh, this will be interesting. But I, I felt mm-hmm. like once you traded away Harrison, he was going to be on this team. And I also thought that you had something in Chris Milton where special teams are just too valuable. Now, as right. we've recorded this, they have claimed Ryan Lewis from Buffalo and yes. I do think that will be something to watch just to see, okay, does that mean Roland Milligan's off this team? Does that mean a corner's off this team? What exactly do they do um, at at corner now with so many bodies there? But um, it wasn't a group that I was too surprised to see how they ended up handling it. And I think it's a, I, I think you have a, some nice kind of man coverage principles, some zone guys as well can help you out on special teams. And you still have some position flex that if you need to trim safety down to four guys, 
you got guys like Quincy Wilson and Marvell Tell that can uh, that can help you out there. Yeah, and you just kind of touched on the safety group, um, which no really surprises there except for Roland Milligan uh, making the team. The but you know that, Chris, the Colts just waved Chris Milton, so there you go. Really? Okay, so looks like Ryan Lewis will be potentially that guy on special teams. Interesting. Okay, right, well, right. breaking news here on the Cody Fogger podcast. I know that's happened on your podcast before, Kevin, so real life, man, <laughs> real life, folks. No, my question for you, Kevin, um, on Marvell Tell, because he was very intriguing for me because um, he's, you know, converted safety. Um, he played safety last year, I think, at USC. And uh, so my question to you is, you know, from a guy like Nate Hairston, who we kind of know who Nate Hairston is, fifth-round pick, uh, to a guy like Marvell Tell, who I think is more athletically gifted, is this kind of like a similar situation last year, you know, when the Colts cut John Simon in favor of a guy like, Obviously didn't work out, but a guy like uh, oh shoot, man Terrell Basham, man I can't, I forgot his name. Like he completely has become irrelevant to me. But Terrell Basham, for example, like you know, is it is this move more of a move of we see the potential in Tell rather than we know what we had in Hairston? Um, yeah, I think so. You know, I I, I think you know Hairston last year is a starter week one, and then loses his job and pretty much gets benched. Um, so I, I think that's what, you know, played into a lot of it. You know, I think they're different players and that tell is more of kind of the safety hybrid. Harrison was more of your inside corner, outside corner hybrid. Uh, but I think when you can get return on a player in Harrison going into his third year of a rookie contract and you have tell it's a rookie, um, I, I don't think it's as quite as drastic as the John Simon Terrell Basham thing, which is still something that I would disagree with. Um, John Simon <laughs> went on and helped the Patriots to a Super Bowl, so clearly he was good enough for the New England Patriots. Um, right. You know, I, I, I think it's something with Tell, it's just, you knew there was a developmental project there. You're willing to be more patient with his kind of physical attributes than Nate Hairston, who at three years had gone from playing to possible depth chart. And again, if you're going to get a six-round pick in a deep position group, you really can't say no to that. So I think they like Hairston, but I, I just think that, that they're willing to be a little bit more patient with a guy like Tell, considering he is a couple years younger. Yeah, and this is something that I wanted to ask you, Kevin, because I just saw I just I'm perusing through Twitter because you never know stuff happens like crazy. Um, so I don't know how much validity there is to this, but it seems like a lady died, Diana from ESPN. She reports that the Colts are very interested in Brian Hoyer. So he was the Patriots' backup, Tom Brady's backup last year. Um, he got waived by the Patriots. What would you think of bringing in a guy like Hoyer to back up Jacoby Brissett for the first two weeks of the season? I'd be all about it. I would be all, all about it. You know, it's something that I think um, he would be that guy that is at, probably has the most experience of any sort of um, really viable backup option right now in the quarterback market. You know, he's a guy that's played in a bunch of different systems, so you would think that his ability to consume something pretty quickly would be there. I'd have to look a little bit closer at his background. I don't think there's any overlap with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni and those guys, but I know he's had some big games inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, you know, with the with, <laughs> oh, yeah. with the Bears and the and the Forty ers So yeah, I mean that's exactly the sort of guy that I would want to bring in, and also help out a guy like Chad Kelly potentially in a couple weeks. Maybe you bring Kelly in and kick Philip Walker off your um, off your practice squad, and then go and then go from there. Um, you know, ha- having Chad Kelly on that practice squad, or maybe you promote him all the way to being a backup. I think now it just gives you a little bit more 
of assurance in what you have behind Jacoby Brissett, you know, heading into the regular season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I just have to, I just have to hear your reaction, Kevin, because I have to say, I listened to your emergency podcast that you had when the whole Andrew Luck news broke. And I have to, I have to ask, man, what, what was happening in your life when that news just completely broke and basically shattered the entire like Colts net Colts fans and just everything. Like it shook everybody to the core. What were you doing on that night last, I guess last Saturday? Yeah. I mean, I was sitting there inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. You know, I was watching the fourth quarter of the mm. preseason game and, um, you know, had written a, a large chunk of my story and following Twitter and, and, and taking some notes on the game. And you're just stunned. And, and you think that Adam Schefter has been hacked is my first thought. And <laughs> then you see the, the amount of detail and the Colts quickly did not, um, you know, put it to rest. They did not deny it. And so once that happened, I was like, holy bleep, this is real. And then it's just kind of, you're, you're, you're trying to work and, and you're just so many thoughts running through your head. And there was Andrew Luck on the sidelines talking to Jacoby Brissett, acting like there's nothing wrong in the world. And um, it was just a very eerie final 10 or 11 minutes of that football game. And then it was really just a very eerie and late night inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Probably left there around 3 a.m. And uh, it's certainly something I will never forget. And I'm still in shock. It still hasn't. I don't know if it's fully hit me yet. Just when you hear Andrew Luck's name referenced in the past tense and had not shown up in the 53 man roster and just things like that. They're just constant reminder, like seeing Luck billboards across, across the city, you know, stuff coming down from the marketing elements that the Colts probably used for him. Um, you know, easily one of the more stunning, shocking sports stories that we'll ever have in our lifetimes. And, now you're just waiting for the 30 for 30. Oh, my word. I know. And, yeah, I, I remember I was just sitting there with my roommates looking forward to just a chill night. I wasn't even watching the preseason game. I was like, it's preseason. Who cares? And then my phone just blows up, and I'm like, what in the world is happening? And I look, <laughs> and I just – I it's you know that feeling when you're just like, I don't know what to do in this situation. That That's how I was feeling in that moment. Right. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. And I was like, this can't be real. Like, there's no way I have never seen anything this crazy. And I can only imagine your feeling just sitting there watching Andrew like announce his retirement. Like this guy is 29 years old. How in the world? But man, I, I just had to ask. I couldn't have you on without asking. <laughs> it's just uh, something <laughs> I know has been a big thing, obviously. And so, um, so on a not Colts related note, uh, so Kevin, I've been trying to get into golfing a little bit and I have been, <laughs> so I haven't been, I, I've been trying to go with a few guys from my church and it's been, uh, it's been rough. So I guess my, my random, you know, softball question to you is how's your golf game going, man? <laughs> well, typically when August and September arrive, it gets pretty non-existent for the rest of the mm-hmm. year. So. Um, yeah, I, I've had some nice moments that this summer at a few rounds that I would like to have played a little bit better, but, um, I yeah. can't complain. I have been able to get out on the golf course a good amount. So, um, my wife has been very, uh, very nice and in, in letting that, that happen for me. I have a feeling if, and when kin, kids ever do creep into our lives, that probably won't be happening as much as it did this summer. So I've kind of gotten to the point where, yes, I, I like to be competitive on the golf course, but. I, I think I just have a more of a appreciation for just being out on the golf course period, because, um, you know, even last Friday, Mike Wells, that Kiefer and I all played golf at a really nice golf course 
in this state. And, uh, you know, that was potentially when the Andrew Luck press conference could have happened. So, right. you know, it's just moments like that where you're like, oh, boy, can you imagine if that would have broken when we were out here on that <laughs> golf course? So, uh, oh, it's a sport we, 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 we can play our entire lives. So, that's probably why yeah. I enjoy it so much. Yeah, that's fair. And how, how is the married life now? You've been a couple months into it. How's it going for you? Good, man. Yeah, we, um, yeah, my, my wife and I are now, I guess, a little over six, about six and a half months now into married wow. life. So she just started a new job a few months ago and things are great. She definitely was a trooper and not <laughs> seen me too often last week, considering right. how, how many hours you had to put into the crazy Andrew Luck saga, but she was very, very supportive throughout all of that and everything. So yeah, 2019 will be a year, certainly personally and professionally, I will never, ever, ever forget. Oh my goodness. And you have one of the craziest jobs, I think, in the world, just because you don't really have a set time schedule. Like you can kind of have a set time schedule, but when news like Andrew Lux retiring breaks, like you don't have a break. And so, man, I can't even imagine that, you know, I, I work, so I work at a church and it's, you know, it's kind of like that in a way where I kind of have a set schedule, but there's always going to be something that comes up. And so, man, I, I, I applaud you for being a trooper and man, just, it's, it's hard. I know sometimes when you're just like, part of it, man, it, it, it's, it, it is definitely part of it. You know, and like yeah. this weekend is crazy too. You know, some years the Colts have waited to practice until Labor Day, but then now they're practicing today and things like that. But I absolutely love love what I'm doing, so it's it's fun to make a couple of these sacrifices to work work a few weekends. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it, man. I hope you have a nice holiday, and uh, I don't know if you're off tomorrow, but if you are, I hope it's great for you, man. All right, man. Thanks for having me on, Cody. Always appreciate it.